Well, welcome Emily and Michelle to the Worth Wellness Podcast. I'm really excited to have you both on here today and really happy that I first ran into Michelle and was introduced to this world of wild mothering that's here locally in Portland because when I became a mother, I realized isolation motherhood do not work, do not mix like oil and water. It's a recipe for disaster. And what you guys are doing is so important. So probably I think the first thing I, I would love to hear from you both is maybe each individually, why it's so important to you to support mothers on their journey. What inspired your your personal passions to be a part of this work? Well, thank you for having us. We're very excited to be here with you. For me, it was the the journey of motherhood itself because um, my children are grown and all along the way, all of the different transitions and moments of change, some of them so joyous and some of them full of grief and sadness and having gone through that whole journey and not having any of those moments recognized and just, you know, skated over and then being left sort of at the end of the journey, reflecting back and being like, oh, I wish I had had more time to really revel in some of those places and have them recognized because they were transformative and they made me into the woman that I, into the woman that I am. So mm. that loneliness, that utter like loneliness, reflecting back on that being like, I want it to be different. If I can change someone's experience. So it was less, less lonely. Thank you for sharing that. I think that's a big, maybe it's healthy, maybe it's not, but I've noticed since becoming a mom, you, you kind of wonder where the recognition is, like where are the people being like, whoa, that's huge because everything you do feels so small. I mean, it's changing, it's feeding, it's waking up in the middle of the night again and nobody sees it, nobody knows. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, now, you know, you see moms on social media saying I'm up at 2 a.m. or whatever. So it's like the world's now, maybe they see that. But for me, it's like, where's the witnessing of how, it feels like in some ways you're doing nothing, but yet it's also really big and it's altered you entirely. Like how could these really simple things you do on repeat all day long that seem small completely alter you as a person? It's it's so weird to wrap your head around. Yeah, well, motherhood definitely shaped me as well. Um, but I, I kind of came into this, I was a early childhood educator before I became a mom. So I was working in depth with families all the time mm -hmm. and then, then getting the opportunity to be transformed by my own child <laughs> was just, it brought new insight. But what I, what I saw the most, you know, or the thing that kind of really lit me up that I wanted to bring some shift around was I felt like so often it's easy to outsource our own power and our own insight and our own wisdom. Mm -hmm. and definitely as an educator parents always like trying to figure out like what do I do what what am I supposed to do here and mm -hmm. and I'm coming in such a almost like a panic state of like I don't know and really wanting to help mothers and families realize like they actually do have the resources they just haven't been taught to use them or where to find them all the time you know we don't need to go find all the experts like it's our feeling realm it's our emotional connection with our children that is the foundation and um so i get really passionate about that and about you know just kind of dismantling a lot of the stories around motherhood that we've taken on that we inherited from our families from generations um, and really find the things that work for us as individuals and that note of being recognized is is really great because I've been thinking about that as you were sharing that. I was just like, oh, well, we we have to also be comfortable in celebrating ourselves and not needing somebody externally to validate. Um, it is wonderful, but like that will also help it ha happen if we're celebrating our little moments of like, I got my child to sleep. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah. Yay for me! <laughs> like you know, celebrate those moments because mm. those are wins. Anytime, mm. like like I think we really need to build these habits of celebrating our successes, no mm. matter how small and meaningless they seem. Um, they're big, and they're big in the realm of being a new mom. Like those moments where, like, oh my gosh, I the house is clean for a moment or I'm just sitting here and it's silent (laughs) those are big things and you know we can celebrate them and yeah and get in that habit of of really acknowledging the work that we're doing because when we're acknowledging it everyone else will start acknowledging it as well Mm -hmm. but if we minimize what we're doing then that's how others will perceive it as well. That's really a fascinating perspective to have on, on that. Like when we're seeking the validation and the praise and the recognition from other people, but are we seeking that because we, we can't give it to ourselves? Like we, we need someone else to see it for it to be meaningful or valuable. And you're so right. When we take those moments as mothers and I'm finding to celebrate yeah. Like you said, like I made the bed today, like the bed got made before 4 PM. Wow. Okay. That's good. That's great. Because to <laughs> me, it feels like I love order. Like I, I love things feeling like they're in order. And I know there's a lot of people who are like, well, if the baby's alive and like, whatever, that's enough. But I think for a lot of women, they actually want more than that though. <laughs> like to feel sane <laughs> and, and like healthy, there's a lot more. And so like when we get some of those other things accomplished, to remember to celebrate, I think can be really important and remember like that little one's watching you. Like if, if that's something they're witnessing too, that mom takes a moment to like recognize, um, what she's doing. So I think that's bigger than we give it credit as well. One of the things I also really wanted to dive in to with you today is just the whole idea of postpartum, because I'm still pretty fresh. My baby's four months now postpartum and realizing how unprepared you are to become, to become a mom and what it actually feels like postpartum, like what you feel like. I mean, in some ways I, I feel unrecognizable and yet still I can see the shell of my, myself before. And there's so much talk, whether that's physical or, uh, social life to get back to, like, you'll know you've recovered if you get back to some sort of semblance of your life before. And I think that's such a, I think we're doing women such a disservice to propagate that message because at least for myself, it doesn't feel possible to access that person completely at all anymore. And even things, I know when I was, I was sending you guys the questions, I was thinking about it in my own experience, even getting to take a walk by myself now is not relaxing because I'm concerned about whatever, you know, whoever I left my baby with, am I going to come back and they're screaming or do they get hungry all of a sudden? Like, it's just not this peaceful little walk that I get to take now. Um, Even something so simple like that doesn't feel the same. And so I'm curious, what would be your wisdom to offer women who are feeling that? And what can we do to make that just that threshold we've just crossed feel more easeful? Yeah, well, one one piece that immediately came up with this question is what, well, there were two main things for me. One is that, that, that taking that walk or doing anything that we do as mothers post birthing is never going to feel the same because we are enmeshed with our child. We're carrying them constantly with us, even if they're not physically present, that we have this emotional bond they will always be a part of us now and so we're not really on our own <laughs> we're in mm-hmm. so there's this acknowledgement and I know Michelle has some fun things to share about that but the other piece too is like we just went through this major life-changing forming experience we're not the same we have we have a new perspective we're we're a different person and we have to acknowledge and allow space for that reforming for all of our parts to catch up with us Um, because we went through complete transformation and there's going to be new insights and new perspectives 
that will lead us in new directions. And so just like any big experience where there's a lot of excitement and turbulence and expansion, there's always this kind of drop afterwards. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and being prepared for that and allowing space for that and knowing that that drop isn't a bad thing. It's just part of this process as I integrate all of these new capacities mm-hmm. and perspectives into my being. And I need to just be gentle and, you know, take care of my body and give myself the space to notice all of these shifts mm-hmm. and just, yeah, hold it lightly. And it it's just, it's a moment. It's a moment of being in between, being in that liminal space of what was once and who I'm becoming. And you feel it really intensely after giving birth. Like you're You're at this precipice of change yeah there's there's the the process of being pregnant itself is expansion right you're physically expanding your energetic bodies are expanding and so you we become we become very big and then that that process of giving birth you know we come into the portal right in order to give birth. And then that those immediate to long-term really like years, it takes years to recover postpartum. This idea that, you know, we're going to be back to normal in 12 weeks is like utter insanity. We have to completely get rid of, of that idea that, you know, we're, we're going to move back to the person that we were, and we're going to do that within a, you know, a 12 week period of time, let alone even the first year. I mean, really, it's like when, when people ask me about postpartum care, I know they're coming to me thinking of, you know, that fourth trimester time. And they're like, well, I'm six months out and I just found you. And, you know, and I'm like, that's fine because you're still postpartum. (laughs) yeah. Like three years, you are still postpartum, you know, it's like, you are never going to not be postpartum, like, mm-hmm. because you've had a child, and it's different. And, and there's this, and there's, but immediately after birth, there's this contraction that happens, you know, and, and so all of those pieces that were, were dispersed in, in our expansion need to reorder and come in to to the forming of who we now are becoming and it takes it takes a little bit of time but that that time can feel uncertain it can feel disorienting and and so we'll often misinterpret that experience as though this is the new norm like now I'm stuck here when it's just part of the process that we're passing through it's the it's the ebb you know it's the contraction it's the coming within so that we can you know really I mean you know you're you're in it just that tender tender delicate vulnerable place after your child is born in that newborn phase and and it is just your world is small teeny tiny mm-hmm. and and it's okay to be in that teeny tiny place as you reorient before you expand out into the world again with your new self and your child and your and your new found family dynamic and for the mom who's in that first year, because I do think there's a level from what I've heard, I, I've not completed it yet, but there's a level of intensity, especially in that first year. Mm. And it, it just the demand and the all consuming and all of that physically. And how how does one begin to I, I love it was beautiful how you described Michelle, the reorganizing those pieces because it just blows you open, like the whole experience of birthing. How do you do that while you're actively in the trenches? Because the whole idea of going off on some little retreat or, you know, even a long hike, I used to think really, you know, my best on like long nature hikes and stuff. It's like, well, I'm not sure 
where do I find that now? You know, how do I get to even the the places of quiet and pause to figure out how to reorganize these pieces or what it actually means um, now for me, like who I am. Right. It's, it's moment to moment, you know, it's really the constant tuning back in to what you're feeling at any given time Mm -hmm. and letting your, um, your emotion be the, be the compass as to what is working Mm -hmm. in that minute, in that hour for that day and being willing to, you know, to let whatever you expected or prepared for that day to fall aside in order to make room for what the the truth in the moment, for the authenticity in the moment and be like, okay, well, I had all these things that I was going to do today and, and the baby's crying and I'm exhausted and now I need, I need to stop most of the time it's really about stopping like you said this this pause checking in and like now what am i capable of in this moment given the reality of what is happening today this hour and having so much grace and patience for yourself mm-hmm. that you you can it's not all going to it's not all going to get done that we're simplifying, we're doing less and we're honoring, truly honoring what it is that we're feeling and letting that sort of be our guide. Yeah. To, to make that, especially in that first year, a little more useful and feel like we are still able to connect to ourselves. I think it's really, it's really important to hold on and honor the things that bring you joy and feed you, um, Mm -hmm. And keep, yeah, like Michelle said, keeping it simple. So, you know, you know, a lot of times when we say, well, what, what brings me joy? What brings me pleasure? And we're thinking of these grandiose ideas, these fantasies that we can fall into, but in, you know, having a child, especially in that first year, it calls you into this deep presence of just like, there is only this moment. And we can use that as a catalyst to be like, okay, well, in this moment, what would make me feel better? What would make this feel more satisfying? And tuning into those little pieces that just allow us to relax. Mm-hmm. And from my experience, remembering that part of, of motherhood, I think we build up resistance when we um, are thinking forward instead of being in the moment. Mm. So when we're thinking of the chores that we still want to do while our baby's nursing or or they're fussing and now I have to tend to them, but I'm thinking of that I also want to make dinner. And, you know, so when we're projecting our thoughts further down the line than into what is happening right now, it creates stress. So the cure to that is to let those fall aside and to just be attentive to what is right now and relax into it. And, and you can find those moments and yeah, it might not be the deep hike that you did when you were pre baby, but how, how do I just tune into myself? Like nursing is like, that was for me always the moment of like, when my baby was nursing, I could just bliss out like all my whole purpose right now is to let this baby nurse there this is this is my gift to the world right now Mm -hmm. and this is my gift to myself is by just relaxing um you know I'm someone that really loves meditation so oftentimes any moment that I was able to sit was just a moment to tune in Mm -hmm. and, and get present so I think so you have to you know, you're finding all of these new ways to bring about the things that feed and nourish you. Um, But it's important to know that that is a priority in motherhood is like we cannot nourish these babies if we're not nourishing ourselves. Mm -hmm. And we're taught to kind of push all of that aside and just you know, whatever the baby needs, whatever our children need, whatever our families need, 
our families need us in our thriving, most importantly. So what do we need to do to make sure we're thriving yeah. and bringing parents into that? I mean, it's such an interconnected system because it's like you said, our families need us thriving. <laughs> like that's actually the best we can provide for our family. And then us also being in the moment, yeah. though, is is the key to that is like the the doorway into that versus which I know I felt a lot you know you it's so funny you hear these terms baby brain I completely lost the term I was thinking of (laughs) um I know the whole like it never feels like you're doing enough as a mom oh mom guilt so those two things I didn't really quite fully understand what they were until I was like in in it but this whole idea of motherhood being a vocation and motherhood being a real job. I've heard you guys speak to this and I think it's actually so relieving and so validating for a mom to hear that because especially if the, you know, the configuration that they have right now is that they are staying home and the primary caregiver for, which I still think is pretty common. I mean, I could be wrong. I think there are more women now working right away after baby, but I know among a lot of the the women I know that have had babies, that's the case right now. And so that coupled with the, like, it's not enough. And then feeling like they're not doing the real job if they're not bringing in the money makes it hard to, I know for myself to just settle into the moment because like, I mean, I think it was Emily, you were, were talking about the whole, for instance, your baby's fussing, but you're wanting to, you know, finish dinner or you're wanting, like, I feel that pull, not because it doesn't seem significant for me to like soothe my baby and that, you know, to be able to provide that for my baby, I know is very meaningful, but be, but because I feel like that's not enough, like the people around me don't know how often I've soothed my baby or how often I nurse them today, you know, and then providing them with nourishment for them to thrive, they they see whether or not the laundry's been done or whether or not there's food on the table. Like that's kind of what you're at the end of the day, your family sees if you have other kids or a spouse or whatever. And so I maybe the, the better way I'm thinking of this too is how there's this idea that for motherhood to be like a worthy enough vocation, you have to add all these things on top of it, like just providing... <laughs> you know, that, uh, the emotional support, the physical support for your kid isn't enough. You actually also need to have all these other things people can see if that's going to be your only vocation. So like, yeah. oh my gosh, how do we deal with this? Cause it just feels like such a heavy load for, yeah. I, I can't be probably the only one who's felt this, but for it's me, a, it's yeah. a ridiculous heavy load. And it's, I mean, really that is, that's the failing of patriarchy that that's what that is. It's not, it's not, I mean, no mother would ever judge that. <laughs> like anyone who's been in it, they're not they're not thinking about like, did you get the laundry done? All of that kind of stuff. But that that is definitely like where patriarchy has oh, caused so much harm for women in motherhood. And that we're looking for these other people to validate what we're doing. And that validation is somehow in these other things that aren't even about taking care of the children. Um, I think, yeah, we're more and more, we're, we're more and more studies are coming out in this understanding of like the unseen work mm-hmm. of the mother, the unseen work of the woman. Um, and it's always just fallen upon her, but never been noticed. Um, and you know, I think it's just time for us to, to call it out. I always, I work a lot with rhythms in families and I always encourage people to like, keep a log of all the things you do, all the things you have to think about to manage your family, all the things like write it out in detail, because you will see that it is overwhelming. And like, and if you have a spouse, share it with them. This is everything that goes into the job that I am doing. These are all the things that are unseen happening behind the scenes that I am doing. I am maintaining. Um, Yeah. 
Yeah, we have this, we, we've been given this story that if we're not making money, that we have to be productive in another way. And the productivity level is really, really high because you're not contributing to society by making money. And so therefore the work that you're doing is less valuable because it's not making money. So then your trade-off because you're not making money is that you have to have the house all, you know, everything has to be clean and the dinner has to be fabulous. And the children have to like, it's, it's the story that we were given in, it's the same story that we were given in like the 1950s that was this, <laughs> you know, um, propaganda. And, and it's really interesting because that was for such a small period of time. And, and they did a study that it was that that vision that we were given of like being that kind of mom or that kind of woman and that that is the trade-off for you to be able to stay at home with your child and have a life of luxury so that your husband can go off and work and earn all the money and I'm staying home and taking care of all these things it was actually only like a 12-year period of time and it's lasted for decades afterwards and has been insidious in the way that we view our own value right where before that period of time we were actually valued for just tending the children and the home like we didn't have it didn't have to be this perfect weird thing that it does now in order to validate um yeah to in order to validate raising human beings yeah. <laughs> we're raising human beings we're we're providing this emotional relational network that is the the foundation and support for healthy well-being <laughs> that's our priority our yeah. priority is connection not productivity yeah 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 and it's so interesting what you brought up emily with or actually Michelle, uh, the whole idea of it being, I hear this a lot. If people say, oh, are you, you know, well, first of all, people ask, oh, are you back to work? And I, I hate that question postpartum because I'm like, <laughs> that's insinuating what I, to me, it's like what I'm doing yeah. doesn't count. So you're asking me if I'm back to work. Um, but then there's also like, when you say I'm at home with my baby, then it's like, oh, what a luxury. Like they say this, or they say yeah. like, oh, what a luxury you get to be home and your husband's working. And not that I think, I, I want to be really careful not to get into like this victim martyrdom trap, because I think there's also a generation of women who, and I know it's the case in my family of like the women being martyrs. And I, I think that's not necessarily healthy. That's not what I want want mm -hmm. to like continue on like in my generation either but there is something to luxury that is like it's it feels invalidating of the actual toll it takes on a woman to yeah. be the emotional support system to a, a little being who doesn't know how to regulate anything and so like I know for me even just so much of the attachment parenting stuff is very glamour like it looks really glamorous and sounds glamorous but the reality of like only ever doing contact naps and nursing on demand and like it's so intense on your nervous system. it can be so intense on your nervous system um because you have baby on you all the time like baby attached to you on you whatever so it doesn't always feel luxurious like that just doesn't seem <laughs> to be a good way to describe it at all I mean that could mean that you know, I can only take a one minute shower and my hair may not get washed and I haven't shaved in two weeks. You know, that doesn't feel luxurious at all. You know, so it's like, yeah, 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 yeah. And another, you know, one thing that I was thinking as we were talking about that and some of the like things that you can actually do is that, you know, to really note what is taking your attention away from the present moment right because like we do feel we do have this it, it's connected to what you're saying and like 
oh, we're being told that we're lucky to stay at home. And we are, we, I want to, we are super lucky that we get to, for those of us who can or want to, um, to stay at home, if that's what they desire to be with their baby. And then the flip side of that is I'm tending this human being all the time and I'm, I'm getting exhausted and I have very little contact with the outside world and, and I'm starting to, to, to lose my orientation to reality, <laughs> you know, in a certain way. And, um, and I'm balancing all of these, all of these things and, um, and feeling pulled in so many different directions. So to just note some of those directions that we're actually being pulled, because then we can start to see, like, we can look at it and be like, wow, how important actually is that? Or is it just spinning in my head of like, just more to do tasks. And some of them are a reality. Like, you know, we have to eat, we have to have lunch, mm -hmm. you know? And like you said, you know, you haven't shaved in two weeks. And, and I remember many, many years of like not eating and picking my kids up from school and being like, what's in your lunchbox? Like my lunch was their leftovers, mm. you know, that, <laughs> because of not being able to take care of, of myself because life is moving so quickly. I'm sort of on a tangent here, but like, but to, in those moments where you can, or you notice that your mind is sort of spinning out to really take that pause and be like, well, what actually is pulling my attention away from this moment? And what's the reality of that? And where can I, where can I put that into my day so that it can be done, but it can be done in a way in a time that feels nourishing to me, as opposed to depleting to me. Something that comes up for me <laughs> too is that just owning the fact that, you know, we're worthy because we're worthy and the work we do is worthy because it's worthy. Motherhood is is worthy because that's what we chose. That's what we want to do. Like we don't need to justify and explain away like all of this heart, like, oh, but I'm really doing all of this. Like, I don't need to explain it away. I don't need to make it seem like I'm doing something more. Like I value this, so it is worthy. Yeah. And um, I think that's really important. Because, you know, it's, again, it's not a trained way of being, but that's, that's where things start. Mm -hmm. um, and then the other piece to this is, you know, Michelle and I, the, really the foundation of the work that we do with families is about rhythm and rhythm is the piece that makes mm -hmm. everyone's life easier. And those things feel less overwhelming and consuming. And when you are a new mom, you're, you're finding out what those rhythms are for your family and for your, and they're constantly shifting in that first year because your <laughs> baby is transforming more than they ever will in the rest of their life. So much is happening developmentally. So you're in this constant state of flux, but the more you learn to shape some rhythm out of it your life becomes softer. Could you give us an example of what that could look like? You know, four months in, it's like you might find a rhythm for that week if this is kind of what the, the routine looks like. And then the next week it's, oh, we don't do that now. <laughs> the baby does something different. <laughs> so I, but I do get that. Like once you can kind of notice some patterns and get into a little flow, even if it's only five days, it's helpful. At least I know for me, I would, a hugely scheduled person. I, I love, I find so much safety in routines. So, but I'm curious, like what's a little example of rhythm where rhythm could help bring some ease that you've seen in your, just the work you've done with families? Well, first I, I'd like to say that when I'm, when we're working with families that that first four months don't bother any for rhythm at all. Like there is no there is none. It's absolute. Um, it's changing all it's, the time. Well, yeah. So there's no consistency because everybody's figuring out how to manage being on the earth together in a home. <laughs> um, so yeah, there's there's no there's no consistency in that. But 
the thing that will start to happen in that I mean, obviously not right away, but like after a couple of months is really just beginning to notice, right? So the place to really begin with rhythm is through observation mm -hmm. and really starting to take note as to like, oh, this is the time that they seem to get fussy or, oh, this is the time that they're needing to nurse or they're constantly needing three naps, you know, instead of five naps or whatever. So you're just watching your child in this place of wonder and mystery because they're constantly giving you clues and signals if we're paying attention that's going to help us form the rhythm itself that is going to be supportive mm. to the whole family because rhythm becomes like another parent in the home. When we have a rhythm, it's something that everybody can rest into. Mm. It's something everybody can rely on. And it and it's the container that helps us flow through the day without having to think about it quite so much. So rhythm is something, it's not a schedule like based on time it's a based on flow a, a flow of events so there's a softness to it and there's an intuitive quality to it of like you're you you do have to observe you have to pay attention to the signals that our children are giving us and then as they get older you can shape it a bit more because you can decide you get to decide when the meals are when it's an infant you don't <laughs> you can maybe decide when your meals are but you're not deciding when theirs are um so yeah so rhythm is this piece that you know as they age it eliminates so many behavioral issues it just it makes you know what I say for a lot of people is just like it creates this state of grace and ease so that's the place to to move into. And so when you're in that place of constant flux, yeah, you're tuning in, you're using your perception and sensing and just taking it all in and you'll start to see, okay, yeah, this is pretty consistent that they start doing this at this time. And that means they're tired. Okay. I'm going to start consistently building in rest at this moment. Yeah. And you think of rhythm, rhythm is the it's the ebb and the flow of the day. It's the in and the out breaths. It's the expansion and the contraction. So that is, we see that in a yearly rhythm, you know, with the seasons, we see it in the daily rhythm with, you know, night and day. And, and, and we as human beings have rhythm and we want to help our children. We want to help guide our children through this rhythm where there's, again, the, really early times of like infancy, this is not necessarily what's going to happen for them, but it's something that you can do for yourself where there's a moment of doing and there's a moment of rest and there's a moment of doing and there's a moment of rest. Because if we're always in the state of expansion, we get exhausted. We have to come back into the center in order to refill and rejuvenate so that we can move out into the world again, feeling full and whole. And, but if we stay in that place of contraction for too long, like that's not good and helpful either if we just stay in that place of rest. So we're constantly moving. So when we're looking at the day, balancing those moments of, of doing and resting. And um, we have lots of examples of that, but that's mm -hmm. a whole that's a whole seminar <laughs> yeah that's a day <laughs> yeah. yeah I do think though the picture of just the balancing of the doing and the resting is an important one and I think I, I felt that the days that it was all outpour because mm -hmm. you know with the baby this young there are especially sometimes in those earlier phases there, there could be a week where they're crying a lot, you know, or they, it's just, you know, they're nursing all the time, you know, or cause they're going through a growth spurt or whatever it is. And so there was not those re those pour back ins. And when you are 
you know, when you're home by, by, for me, by myself all day long with the baby, there's, there's no break, you know? And so I think like on those really intense days, I think you can create some little breaks, even just for me, I have been trying to see when is my, my little boy, like at a, a phase where he could be happy on my yoga mat with me for 15 minutes. So I could get a practice in even when no one else is there to like hold him. And it's, it's taken a while, but I would say like, he's at a phase where he can last 15 minutes happy, you know, um, he loves to watch the fireplace though. So that's like, that's his entertainment. He'll watch the fire and be mesmerized and I get to do my yoga. So like, that would be like, yes, I'm still with my baby, but it does feel like I'm tending to me too. So like, like you said, the baby at this age may not have a lot of consistency yet. It changes a lot, but I think for the mama, as soon as you can do try to find that ebb and flow of doing and resting however you can around your baby, because otherwise, I mean, by the time everyone gets home at the end of the day, I'm a hot mess. You know, it's terrible. (laughs) So it's like, yeah, I think that's really beautiful that that's, and I I can see how that's really a a critical element in just finding more flow and more joy in motherhood. And on that note, I would love because you guys run the wild mother collective, I would love to talk a little bit about what it means to you. What does wild mothering mean to you guys? What, what is a wild mother? What does she look like? How does she feel? How does she move through the world? Cause that sounds so intriguing. And it's like, Oh yeah, I want to be that. But what's yeah. how do you define that? I loved that you asked this question. Cause for me, it's a very body, body sensation. When I think of wild mother, it, there's a bit of my, my body that starts to get into feeling sort of feral. She's that woman who runs with the wolves in a certain way, you know, but I'm like, well, what does that really mean? And, and for me, the thing that came up was she's curious. The wild mother is curious. She's, she's willing to explore the edges, you know, because we're taught so much as women to stay in the middle and not rock the boat, right? Like stay in the center, but like, if I, if I'm exploring the edges, like it's a little bit dangerous out there, you know, (laughs) um, she's curious about, about dark places. She's curious about her emotions. She's curious about all of the things that we've been told we can't go, you know, because it's, it's not ladylike or it's not appropriate or it's not what a mother should be. It's not the good girl, right? So she's willing to kind of move and be curious about what exists outside of that realm of um, the normal story that we've been taught is our place, (laughs) our place to reside. Because in all of those places where we've been told not to go, our, our truth lives our deeper passions and desires um, can be accessed there. And those are, those are the places that we can use as our, our guideposts to create that vitality and that, that joyful mothering. What would be an example of one of those places if you could just yeah. speak to one specifically? So when, my, when, I was a, when I was a mom, I was a single mom for many years. I was doing, you know, I was working and I was doing the thing and taking care of my children. And they were like the number one, which of course they are, but there wasn't very much for, for myself. Right. And been in a bad relationship and I was like, okay, I'm swearing off dating for a while. So I started just exploring all of those edges and doing things like just all kinds of things, you know, it doesn't have to be really extreme, but it was like, I went to a restaurant all by myself. (laughs) That's not something that you like normally do. I was like, I'm going to treat myself to a really nice dinner. I'm going to go to a really fancy restaurant. I'm going to sit by myself. I'm going to walk the time I lived in San Francisco. Another thing that I did was I walked across the Golden Gate Bridge on my own one day. I was like, I'm going to do that. So it's like, and then, and then also 
being willing to rest into the uncomfortable emotion of anger or passion or frustration or desire, because those are things that, you know, we're typically sort of not really allowed to have those emotions. We're just mm -hmm. supposed to stay good. And so it's like, what, what, like, literally from my groin up into my belly and into my heart was exciting me hmm. and to pay attention to that that's pushing an edge for us hmm. as women because it's not a place that we've been told we can go to very often yeah for me wild a wild mother is is all of that and it's you're really cultivating that instinctual intuitive nature um, when we think of wild animals and things like this, like they have this inner sensing. Um, and so a wild mother is using that as her compass. She's, she, she trusts her wisdom. She trusts her sensing. She, she trusts what is, is bubbling up to the surface. She, she, she is aware of it and she's checking in on it. And she follows those impulses when they are asking her to do certain things she's authentic and she is unapologetic she loves herself I mean and these are the ideals like we all have ways of doing this and cultivating it but it's going to look different for every woman it's not like mm -hmm. everyone's like ripping off their clothes and just like dancing under the moonlight <laughs> like that's not that won't be wild mothering for one person but it might be for another so this wild mother doesn't judge mm -hmm. and I think realistically like a wild mother is someone that yeah is in tune with joy and pleasure and wonder and revelry because life is meant to feel good and it's time to prioritize feeling good mm -hmm. it feels almost like it comes full circle from what we were talking about at the beginning as far as being open to how the process the initiation of going through pregnancy and birth has changed what does feel good to you and like how there is like a there's a period of discovery I feel like you know some of the things that have come up for me as being a mother were things that like I enjoyed doing back when I was a kid and then this long stretch of time where I kind of lost who I was and it, it just being a mom, like all of a sudden has turned it back on. Um, and that's singing. Mm -hmm. I'm specifically talking about singing. Um, for so many years, I just stopped and now I have this baby and like singing feels so natural mm -hmm. now again, <laughs> you know? So it's like some of the things like that, maybe there'll be things that like were delightful to you as a kid. And now all of a sudden they they've come back or they could be totally new things. And I think maybe it's a great mindset shift to, to switch from like, you know, how the whole idea of like motherhood, you know, now I'll, I've completely lost myself and I have no idea who I am. And it's, you know, only ever all like about the kids to like, I get to discover a new version of me. Maybe I knew when I was a kid, or maybe I've never known before. And part of that's really exciting. Um, at least as for me, because I'm a total nerd when it comes to growth and personal development. So the, the fact that motherhood offers a really big opportunity for that is kind of exciting too, even if it's, you know, really intense at times, it's pressing me into finding resources as well that are helping me kind of figure out who I, what it looks like to be me now. Yeah. Our desire to do some of this, this work with moms is to ignite that remembering that you are the ultimate source of wisdom for your child. You know, so much of our power has been taken away or diminished because uh, like you said, full circle, because we're not being productive or that the work as a mother isn't valued quite as much. But if we just can can come back into that remembering and that and that feeling and that trusting and that intuition and that that knowing, then all of a sudden it's like we're empowered in our, our position as a mother. Mm -hmm. You know, that whole idea of the the hand that rocks the cradle rules the world. It's like we 
are raising the next generation. That is, there's nothing more important than this work. And mm -hmm. no wonder it's been diminished because it's so powerful. Yeah, that's so true. I have a friend, actually, we exchange Marco Polo messages a lot. And she, she's like, her son is age 12. So she's a lot further down the road. But she just reminded me like, Erica, like what you do every day, like with your baby is completely world changing. And it doesn't matter what anyone else thinks or says like, or how you, you know, those moments where you don't feel like it's enough, like it is, it is changing the world. And cause this is like a human being and, you know, all of the little pieces that you get, like when the baby, when, you know, you're pregnant and then going through the birth process, like, I think it prepares you if you're willing to like dip into it to, to recognize that there's like a unseen force in motherhood that if you tap into, it can really become quite magical. And like, you realize how, how much for better or for worse, like the mom runs, like the mom's energy, like is the life force of the house. We know this, like, we know this, you know, it's not because she does the laundry either. That's not why there's <laughs> something really invisible about it. And I think when we tap into that and we are like actually caring for that piece of us, that's when things really start to shift. I think for everybody around us, it's, it's been a pleasure getting to talk with both of you about this topic. And it's refreshing to have a different, more in-depth conversation about these things. Is there anything before we go that you would like to, any last little closing remarks, and then maybe one of you could talk about where people could go to find more about your work? Well, just hearing all of that, just the, the phrase that comes to mind is just like motherhood is a journey of self-discovery. If we allow it, we discover more of ourselves and it can be so pleasurable. It can be so joyful. And I think that's something we forget. And even in our talk of like how the power behind it, like, let's not forget the, the joy in it too. How can, how can I step in fully and just enjoy the hell out of it? Cause it's magical and it passes really quickly. Um, yeah. So people can find us at wildmothercollective.com. And uh, yeah, and we post semi-regularly on Instagram, hopefully lots of helpful tips and inspiring ideas and things like that. And we also have a, a Facebook group that is a very open, honest, uh, raw, non-judgmental space as all of the spaces that we create um, where mamas are gathering, whether it's online or in person of just absolutely no judgment, full support, the real deal is um, welcomed to be expressed. Thank you both for giving your time today and sharing and just the work you're doing to make help make motherhood a beautiful, wild, pleasurable, joyful experience for as many as possible. So thank you, Erica. Thank you for having us. My pleasure. Thank you so much for joining the podcast today. It has been a pleasure to share this time with you. If you loved what you heard, please do me a quick favor and rate and review the show. It helps us out tremendously as we continue to spread the word about what it looks like to heal your relationship with your body as the fire that lights transformation in every other area of your life. It's exciting stuff, so don't hold back in sharing the goods. Thank you again for being here. Until next time, I am cheering you on on your healing journey. Be well.